guys, it's Janice. If you love this podcast and you've gotten great value and maybe a bit of entertainment out of past episodes, please consider a donation in support of both my podcast fees and my coffee habit. There's no obligation. Just click the link below and thanks so much for your support. Now on to today's episode. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How often do you look at the structure of your business? Like the actual functions and practicalities of it? I think some structures and procedures run differently for office-based small businesses, especially those with employees. And by that, I mean my lawyers and chiropractors, but also the product-based people because you guys have a dedicated time and space for making and moving your actual things. Home or internet-based service or online product providers, well, they're kind of a bit different because of the flexibility built in. And that flexibility makes it fairly easy to avoid looking at the hard business structures you originally put in place and evaluating where they are now versus where they were meant to be. I don't actually think this issue is special to online businesses, but I do think it's easier to get away with in this model. Do you sometimes feel like this, even if you run a more traditional business model? I recently posted on my podcast Facebook page about a lesson that I had learned. It was a tough lesson. And it was one that really made me think about Well, about how I think about myself as a business owner and the result that it had on my business structure. Today's episode is about money, business structure, prioritization, and the sometimes dreaded topic of mindset. Not in like a toxic positivity way, but more in a practical sense. Have a listen, you'll see what I mean. Hey, hey, and welcome to Connections Coffee and Confidence with me, Janice. On this podcast, we talk about messaging, strategic communications, and content creation. So whether you communicate for your business or as your business, I know you'll find something tucked into these episodes that will contribute to your success. Thanks so much for joining me today. I still have imposter syndrome. Despite officially being in operation and making money for almost two years now, despite having a degree and experience and a website and all the other things that make other people feel real. 
When I recently took a look at how I pay myself, okay, first of all, it took a lot <laughs> for me to actually look. It was much easier to just not look at it. Just do it. Be proud of the fact that there was money left over to pay me after I paid for the podcast, the website, the bookkeeper, the email, and what is now being called Google Workspace. When you first create your business, that whole process of selling something and accepting money for it, it's usually a, a big deal. There are so many things to consider, and really not all of them are important. And sometimes the business is set up in a little bit of a rush. Usually it's set up to the best way that you're capable of doing in the moment. And for a while, that's just fine. But there comes a time when that arrangement just no longer works. Now, at less than two years old, my business is not mature, still in the startup phase. And it's not as stable as I would like it to be. Really, I'm one content client away from this endeavor just not being financially worthwhile in terms of the time and the effort that it takes to do everything that I have to do. According to Statistics Canada, in 2021, almost 40% of service startups failed in their first three years. Now that report is linked in the show notes. But with this stat in mind, that one client margin is uncomfortable. And it was that creeping discomfort that I just kept brushing away from my mind that I avoided looking at. Till one day, I finally just decided to stare at it and figure it out. Now, in case you missed it, the world seems to have jumped online, and it feels like everyone and their best friend decided to start their own business. Look, I know it's not true, because outside of the people I've met online, the number of business owners I know is very small indeed. But when you're in this world... Like, that's how it feels. And many people look like they are successful. And many people actually are, according to their definition of success. But not everyone. It takes work, and a plan, and dedication, and determination, and coffee to create a business online. And then you get started, and most of us just kind of blend in with that sea of other online businesses. And it was precisely that gap of blending in versus being seen and heard that I wanted to fill. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you running the business you had intended to run? Because I did not start my business to become a content creator for others, to create and implement social media strategy. That kind of fell into my lap because every once in a while, I get lucky. But what that meant was that content strategy and creation was just a side gig while I tried to sell my online courses. And I set up my business routines around a very sporadic course income, not the monthly strategic content income. This meant three things. First was that I didn't do my books regularly. I did them when I sold a course or a workbook or booked a consultation, and I was doing my finances anyway. Even then, I was just making sure that everything was paid without holding myself accountable to the financial plan I had created. I was in there every month, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing the full job I should have been. Second, I was still spending my time promoting my courses and workbooks with the odd shout-out to what actually pays me every month. 
And third, it meant that I looked at myself as a failure because I saw myself as a consultant and course creator, and neither of those avenues were doing much to pay for our groceries, let alone contribute to my grand dream of someday retiring with a house in France. So how did these three practices, because yes, I think that mindset is a practice. So how did these three practices impact my business? Well, the finances were uncomfortable. True, every payday is a celebration and it still is, probably always will be. I did set financial goals in my first year of business. I strongly encourage this for everyone starting out because you just need something to shoot for. Otherwise, you end up doing what you can do, kind of aimlessly. And I really hate being aimless. I am a strategist at heart. That first year of business, it's all about figuring things out, seeing what pans out. Because we can do all the research that we want. We can love what we do, all we like. But we often need to bend to which part of our business is actually paying off. That part of the business that pays to help support what we actually love to do. And my first year of business, ugh, it was not smooth. It was not smooth. I got very little reliable data on how to move forward. And uh, I did a fantastic job of ignoring the data that I did get because it didn't back up what I wanted to see. Not looking at my finances with an eye to the future was not doing me any great service. I know how much the services I buy cost me and I know my profit margin, but honestly, that future planning was hard because I kept telling myself I was going to make money from one avenue and it just wasn't realistic. The numbers don't lie, which can be what makes them so hard to look at. But what's the point of focusing on something that isn't really bringing in much money, such as courses, when something else pays nicely and is regular work that I can not only budget around, but build a routine around? What I did to try and fix this was to put the last content client that I signed on a different pay schedule. So now I send invoices twice a month and I get paid twice a month. Therefore, I pay myself twice a month. And I'm in my finances twice a month, so I'm much more in touch with what's happening in my bank account. Like, it's not a huge difference, but I feel like it's normalized the back office workings so that I view what I do as more of a business and less of a sporadic, oh my goodness, I sold a course, so I'll pay my bills kind of thing. And this one change has had a knock-on effect on the other two practices around business focus and mindset. Spending time promoting my courses in a, in a crowded and loud marketplace was a struggle. Is a struggle. I'm not a singing and dancing look-at-me person, and it was really uncomfortable to do for myself what I do for others. However, when I stopped and admitted that I, I actually really enjoy the content creation, the next logical question to ask is, why not get paid for doing something that I enjoy? My clients get great feedback on their content, so why not share that with other businesses? My fix is in the works. I'm currently in the process of creating a new communications plan around my business as it actually is, with a touch of what I want it to be. I still have a goal to sell my courses, but 
I have bigger goals to increase my profit full stop. And right now, the easiest way for me to do that is to take on an extra content client or two and boost my messaging and strategy consults. So it's time for a review and really an overhaul of the type of content that I make for my business. And what helps with that is paying myself twice a month. Because when I feel like I'm running an actual business, I recognize that I should be promoting it as such. So much of my promotion has been around my podcast as I wanted that to be my funnel into my business. And while I will continue to promote my podcast for sure, I need to remember to round it out and promote the courses, explain what a consultant is and how it differs from being a coach, educate on when to come to a communications consultant or strategist, talk about what I offer, encourage people to get on my email list. By the way, you should totally get on my email list. It's where I go deeper on how you can implement the communications topics into your business or your life, and I tell the odd story or two about how the topic came to be chosen or comment on what's happening in the world. JaniceFogarty.com, and I will, of course, link to that in the show notes. Anywho, the numbers show me where people come from, and I need to respect those numbers to work with them. And I need to trust that no one is judging me as a failure when I adapt my offerings. Holy smokes, there are some amazing women who have successfully expanded or completely changed what they do, and I so admire them. Why can't I allow myself that same choice, right? My communication strategy will be more diverse in both its target and its tactics because I look at my business differently than I did when I started out. In particular, when I think about who I am as a business owner, I have to remember my own context. I'm in a privileged position. Not that everything is roses and sunshine, mind you. For example, I have limits on how structured my time can be, so I rarely offer high-touch programs that require a consistency of showing up in person. When I see others offering programs that I know I could deliver the socks off of, for a brief moment it hurts. By focusing on what others are doing, by focusing on what I had intended to make money doing versus what I am making money doing, that self-imposed imposter syndrome is just really difficult. My fix is when I reassure myself that when I do offer something, it's to the highest level and to the best of my knowledge and experience. And by paying myself twice a month, I'm regularly reminded that my business makes money and is in fact something real, something I should be proud of creating, of promoting, and of tailoring to suit what the market tells me it wants. I think as women, we are more feelings-based. Yep, That was a broad, sweeping generalization, but please allow me to roll with it for a moment. I see us get attached to outcomes, to the processes, to the optics. I've heard it from my clients, from guests on my podcast, I've read it in books by women authors, and I have certainly recognized that attachment in myself. There is a special kind of freedom when you are an entrepreneur and a business owner, where you can decide how to do things on what time scale, and even what to charge. But the rest of the world will come along and curb your earnings, email you at all hours, 
change its mind and its plans. And that's life. We have to relinquish that little bit of control and fear in order to make way for the world to have its impact so we don't get steamrolled. And we have to let go of the attachment to how things happen and what those things mean. The numbers don't mean that we suck and we should quit. The numbers tell us what to follow and what to change. And that's all. My rookie mistakes of being too narrowly focused on what I wanted versus what the market wanted from me, the fear of looking like a failure when I started changing how I talked about what I offered, and in setting up a more mm, loose back office ethic, well, they're just those. They're rookie mistakes. I'm not deluding myself that I'll never make those mistakes again, but I really feel like that simple change of paying myself twice a month has had such a knock-on effect that I just didn't see coming. One that's made a bigger impression than just creating more e-transfers. Obviously, I can't predict the future, but I'm sticking with these changes for a while, and I'll let you know how things go. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd love to know if any of this rang true, or if it just annoyed the daylights out of you. If you loved it, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review. You have no idea how much a rating and a review mean to an independent podcaster. They really help us get our work in front of new audiences, so they are hugely appreciated. Thank you. And until next week, my friend, I hope you have a fan-freaking-tastic rest of your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.